Nuclear proliferation. Global pandemic. Famine. Environmental genocide. War. Mankind teeters on the brink of a second dark age. Everywhere you turn, chaos, anarchy, and shadow. In these bleak days, under the fading light, where businesses and the little guy are left for dead on the side of the byway, and people cry out for the rule of law, humanity is at a breaking point where there is no light at the end of the tunnel, and everything good seems to have been barred, or banned, or barred. Two men offer up their voices in the darkness, a shining beacon leading the huddled masses into the safe harbor of good business practices and occasional time travel. Here are your hosts, the Sirens of Sanity, David Pridham, and L. Bradley Sheaf. O.J. Simpson, not a Jew. <laughs> but guess who is? Hall of Famer Rod Carew. He, he converted. <clears throat> Tell your friend Veronica, it's time to celebrate Hanukkah. I hope I get a harmonica on this lovely, lovely Hanukkah. Oh, buddy, there you have it. For all the folks around the globe listening to our show and the ships at sea who are celebrating Hanukkah, You've got your boy Adam Sandler and the Hanukkah song. What a what a great song, Brad. Every time I hear that song, um, when we um, when we sit down to celebrate Hanukkah in my household, one of the great uh, singers of our time. I believe he was a member of U two for a period, and also did some uh, some comedy on the side. Indeed, yeah, he went from U two to Saturday Night Live, and then kind of out on his own. So you know not a career that uh, you would turn up your nose at for Adam Sandler. And we're happy to have him. Yeah. Famous uh, New York Jets fan too. So he, he obviously has some issues. Yeah. We could introduce him to a guy. We could, we could introduce him to this live studio audience here. Uh, the IP frequently show back in full gear after the big COVID hiatus that put us into the, uh, the back rooms of um, quarantine. We're excited to be here. We have a lot of people that want to meet us, want to, Hug Brad, maybe get him to sign a patent or two. All of this, Brad, is on the table, as you know, for the big after party where we roll out the hors d'oeuvres and some shrimp cocktail and some other uh, uh, sundry items. The holidays are upon us. We've rolled into December. The brass uh, up at headquarters, very excited. There's talk of rolling out the uh, program for a number of days of the week. Um, we're still in discussions about that, but we have a lot of uh, a lot of folks who want to hear more from uh from IP frequently. I can tell you who doesn't want to hear more, Brad, the people that are against the small businesses of America, the people in power who are trying to hurt, uh, who are trying to hurt the businessmen and women of this, uh, of this country. But you and I have agreed we will stand on that wall until we get tired and come down. Uh, yeah, we'll stay up there as long as we can. I mean, I, I figure we can get up there at least between meals. I mean, yeah. nobody's going to miss a meal to stay on that wall, but I think we can get up there in between meals and, uh, you know, we'll be fine. We can find someone to substitute in while we're, you know, we're getting a snack or a coffee or something. If it's cold, though, we probably won't be up on the wall. I mean, just to be honest. Um, first, Brad, we want to start with a couple of big news items that you, the small business owner, should know about and have to be ready for this week. And we'll go into these in more depth as we get into the program here this week. But obviously, if you're reading the pages of the Wall Street Journal, there are sort of two things that jump out at you that make you say, wait a minute this could affect my small business and this could be detrimental to my small business. One of them is obviously this big um, Omicron threat, the new uh, COVID variation that's come out that seems to be uh, causing the markets to dip. And the second, Brad, is the big Jelaine Maxwell trial uh, going on in the great uh, state of uh, New York or, or, or thereabouts where a lot of prominent people, some leaders of parties, some prominent senators and presidents are being, uh, Prince Andrew, are being called out as potentially uh, culpable in the whole Epstein child trafficking uh, catastrophe. And so which one do you want to start with, Brad? We'll touch on it at a high level, and then we'll delve into him a little bit deeper later in the program. It sounds like it sounds like someone's puppy wants to start with uh, yeah, the I'm Delta. Gonna have to, I'm going to have to beat the dog. That's okay. the problem is we have construction guys in the house. And so she's a little bit freaked out. 
about uh, the Julian so Maxwell thing or the well, pro- probably both, all of it, really. I mean, Omicron is a big deal if you're a Siberian Husky. Leica, yeah. lay down. It's kind of strange that Brad's uh, bringing his dog into the studio. But again, listen, this is a uh, this is an equal to opportunity show. We love pets. Uh, we love animals, especially service dogs. And Leica is a good pet. Uh, she's an adequate pet. I'll give her adequate. Good is a stretch for this particular dog, but we love her here in the chief household. And she does occasionally add to the audio enjoyment. So there you have it, buddy. I would start here just because I don't want to deal with it at all. I would start with the, the Maxwell thing. I forget her first name. I would start it's with Jelaine. that. Jelaine. Jelaine. Okay. All right. Yeah. Let's get through that and be done with it. Okay. Well, I mean, look, that's fine. Again, I, there's, there's never, as you know, on IP frequently, there's never a promise that will be done with anything. Right. I mean, the well, Venera Chronicles went on for a year and a half. The horses, the horse thing, once the injunction was lifted, they could still be going on in some special pocket of hell. And uh, of course, um, the asteroid monitoring, we promise to do that every week. And to the extent uh, we have, we have. Well, there'll Um, be an end to that when it comes slamming into old planet Earth. That'll be that. I bet Maxwell is hoping it happens during her trial. I'll bet she is. So how's that going? Well, I mean, so far there have been some opening statements and Mm -hmm. it seems like there are um, a lot of people who are very concerned or should be very concerned about what's being said. Apparently, this woman was the fixer for for Epstein, and she would go around and and secure underage uh, women to fly on his jet. And and, uh, he was always in the company of powerful men. And these men included uh, Bill Clinton, included Donald Trump, I guess. It included senators like John Glenn, your favorite, Brad George Mitchell, the people's choice. Leica seems to hate George Mitchell. Every time you mention him, she's going to bark. And then, of course, Prince Andrew, the royal crown prince of um, of Great Britain, uh, all would fly to various private islands that this pedophile owned. And, um, you know, Lord only knows what happened, uh, what happened with them. But it seems like Maxwell's defense team is going to double down on opening up the kimono and talking about all the stuff that men in power did when they were hanging out with this, uh, this creep, uh, Jeffrey uh, Epstein. Well, that's fine. I don't, I don't have any problem with that. All these guys that are tied into this thing, I think it should come out and, and they should certainly, you know, as opposed to them just being, you know, sort of mentioned or, or whispers about their participation. The beauty of this for them is if they were innocent of any wrongdoing and it comes out in court that, uh, you know, they, they had some sort of relationship with Epstein or Maxwell, they'll have their opportunity to say their piece and I think that's fair. And I think that's fine because if they were pedophiles or continue to be pedophiles, then they should have to suffer the consequences for that. That's not what we're trying to do. It's flat out disgusting. Epstein is just an unimaginable piece of crap. And so anybody that associated themselves with him and, uh, and what he was into, I got no problem with all of that coming out in open court. I, I do want to ask you one question just because I've, I've been meaning to ask you this for weeks. And I keep forgetting Prince Andrew, how is, what is his relationship to the Royal family? Is he Prince Charles's brother? Oh, listen, you know this. Okay. Again, you don't have to play dumb for the purposes of the studio audience. You know that he's a Royal crown prince. So that means yeah, but he how? is, he's, how is he's, he related? He's the son of the queen, Brad. He's the son of the queen, Prince Andrew. He's also so, a so he is Prince Charles's polo. brother. I believe so. He's a world right. champion polo player. Um, I believe he's water a or horseback. I am not sure about that. All the, the, the text here just says polo. I know he was a, oh. uh, generally like a bon vivant type, ah. uh, thing. And, um, you know, he enjoyed himself. He apparently enjoyed himself too much and he, he may be going to jail. Oh, good. I mean, perhaps that's where he belongs. So I, I'm not really sure how that helps in Jelaine Maxwell's defense, this uh, idea that you know there were more than just Epstein who were philandering with underage women. Not really sure how, because I'm not really sure what she's accused of. I mean, other than, I, I don't know. I mean, what, what crime is she actually accused of? I think she's accused of um, 
uh, luring the, I don't know exactly what the charge is, but it's like enticement, right? Luring these women, these underage women into a sex trafficking scheme um, that apparently Epstein kept going, not only for himself, but for some of these people who he would lure in, get involved in this illicit behavior. And then they would somehow validate his existence so that he could, he could make money. I think that's, I think that's basically it in a nutshell. I, I think her strategy is just to burn the whole thing to the ground. And I so think she figures she's, she's going to jail one way or the other. She might as well take as many people as she can with her. I think she's thinking that. And I, I, I mean, quite frankly, I'm surprised she hasn't air quotes hung herself yet. Like, like Epstein did, right? Because usually <laughs> yeah. you run a follow the Clintons and you, um, you end up rolled up in a rug and dumped in rock Creek park. That's entirely possible. Can you know what, bud? it may happen yet. Yeah. Well, that's, I think she's trying to get this stuff out before it does. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a good call on her part. Well, all right. I mean, I guess we'll keep our uh, eye somewhat squinted in the direction of that. I don't really want to look at it too much, but it, I think it's probably important that we we monitor it here on IP frequently. I mean, it could impact your your small business. So, for example, if you're running a burger chain in the Midwest and Prince Andrew, who seems to have an affinity for burgers, is uh, your spokesman, you probably want to think twice about putting him on the air. Yeah, you're going to want to look for someone else someone who's uh, probably a little more humane, someone who's a little more in touch with the people, you know, if Pol Pot is available or Idi Amin, you could go Idi that Amin. direction. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's too bad. It's so bad. Too bad. Old uh, Gaddafi um, went the way of the Dodo because he would have been another good candidate to, yeah. um, you know, hump some, some pizza or some burgers or the pizza burger, which again is a great, uh, great invention. This time has not yet come. Yeah, no, not yet. But uh, to your point, if you've got Prince Andrew as your uh, the guy flacking your your stuff, you're going to want to move on. I will say again, Brad, one one of the great uh, things that everyone is talking about as we ramble towards um, 2022, God help us, is the big uh, songs of the 80s, Sweet 16. Mm -hmm. Um, As those of you who follow us on Twitter at uh, IP frequently or on the Insta face at IP underscore frequently, you know that the number one seeds are out and are going to be announced on this program. Wow, I'm excited about that. When are we doing that? We're doing it right now, Brad. We're doing, We're doing it, right it right now. now. We're doing Smokes. it this minute. Smokes. All right. Let me get it, myself get the, know, get the pen down here. Yeah. Get I'm the ready. pen. Yeah. Don't use one of the pens for the waiver. We're going to need those. But uh, right now we've got the number one seeds in. Uh, we've got uh, three of them in. And then the fourth is going to be a big listener competition where you can you can log in and pick the fourth number one seed. Again, the Sweet 16 tournament, very exciting. Broken down into brackets, brackets. Everybody loves um, a bracket. There's no one who doesn't love a bracket. No one, no one. So right. we've got uh, now the uh, the big uh, number one seeds. This will be kicking off in early 2022, probably with some sort of big festive parade and uh, banquet. Uh, the number one... Uh, the first number one seed is Eye of the Tiger, Brad, by the uh, the big group Survivor. Mm-hmm. Eye of the Tiger. Rocky fame. All right. I'm with Correct. that. Okay. The next number one seed is Another One Bites the Dust by the group Queen. And then we'll also play this next number one seed because they'll need it. Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi for all that right. walk. I We're like it. Need that. Good choice. Pleasure. Good choices all around. And then we have three songs, Brad, which everyone has voted um, in different um, slots for the for the fourth and final number one seed. So what we're going to do is we're going to put those out there now, and we're going to let the good folks who listen to IP Frequently weigh in on our Twitter feed, at IP Frequently, on our InstaFace feed, at IP underscore Frequently, on the Facebook page, uh, at IP Frequently dot net. Um, or you could just uh, write Brad a letter in the Berkshire. So these songs, Brad, in no particular order. Again, no particular order just to be clear okay. are, and one of these will be the fourth number one seed. Ooh, all right. Yeah. Let it rip. One of them is Billy Jean by Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. Uh, next is it's still rock and roll to me by Billy Joel. Great Billy Joel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the last one, probably the greatest song of the 1980s. Some would say is do that to me one more time by captain and Tennille. Well, there you have it. Somewhat of a and dark horse. Two, yeah. You get it, that, that, probably is going to need some help. I mean, there's going to have to be some real Captain and Tennille boosters out there to get that one up anywhere near Billy Joel or Michael Jackson. But you know what? Stranger things has happened, buddy. That's why they roll the ball out there. 
we are excited to be here. We have a lot of things to cover, a lot of things to talk about this big Omicron variant. The Delta variant um, is sweeping the globe. And even more than the variant itself is the panic that seems to go with it. We now have um, uh, different countries imposing lockdowns, Israel 100% lockdown. Um, There are a lot of countries in Europe that are doing similar things. Australia doing similar things. The U.S. has instituted a travel ban to a number of countries, which I think is kind of ironic because I thought those travel bans were xenophobic. I guess they're no longer that uh, they're no longer that way. There's actually a nice video of one of the Fox reporters questioning Jen Psaki, the um, spokeswoman for uh, President Biden, uh, about that because he called Trump's travel bans xenophobic, and he's basically instituting the same travel bans. she didn't see it that way. She said they were different because they were imposed by different presidents. Well, she's in typical Jen Psaki fashion. She's not wrong about that, but she has provided no useful information in the statement thereof. Mm-hmm. Right? That is her gig, right? She comes out, she opens her mouth, she flaps her soup coolers for anywhere from three to five minutes. She says nothing that's of any value one way or the other. And then she just stares out at the crowd. And so while she is not wrong that Donald Trump and Joe Biden are different people and therefore different presidents and therefore their travel bans were imposed by different presidents, it's just not helpful, Biden. It's just not helpful. No. And and maybe she would be a good person when we look for it, air quotes volunteer the next time for old uh, for old uh, Leica here. But it's interesting with this um, with this new variant, there's not much we know about it. Um, it seems like there's a lot, much more we don't know than what we do know. And I think as a small business owner ourselves, the things we look at are, okay, what new restrictions are coming down the pike, if any? You know, New York City has already reinstituted this, um, uh, this uh, the mask mandate. Um, and so I guess that's, that's one of the questions that people are posing. I mean, obviously, the stock market in Wall Street is very jittery. It's been down. Um, several hundred points uh, several times this past week. Uh, It looks like that instability is going to continue. And at the end of the day, I I think it's not useful to have people like Fauci and this whole crew come out and scare people when we don't know much about this. I mean, in fact, the South African doctor who treated the initial um, group of these patients who uh, were infected by this um, variant of the the, the virus um, said that the one thing she did take from it was that the symptoms were a little bit different than the traditional COVID symptoms, and um, the people were not nearly as sick. There was a, a light fatigue, but there, there was really not the same level of sickness that people were people were seeing. I guess everyone's worried about what's going on with the vaccines and whether they'll cover this. But I mean, look, we don't really know. And what we do know is that the people that have been infected with this so far haven't been that sick. I have all kinds of questions about this. So not for nothing, this falls in the not for nothing category. But Omicron is the 15th letter in the Greek alphabet, right? So the, the last variant of COVID that I remember hearing anything about was the Delta variant. Was there a Moo? There was a Moo, right? Moo? Was there? Maybe maybe there was. But for those of you scoring at home, Delta is the fourth letter of the alphabet. Moo would appear to be somewhere around the 12th, maybe, letter of the alphabet. And so does that, if that means, and you and I certainly, there'd be no reason for us to debate this on the air or at any other time, because we don't know, but if, if that means that there were, you know, there was an epsilon and a zeta and an eta and a theta and an iota and a kappa and a lambda, and we just don't care about those, right? I mean, they just didn't do anything. And somehow we found ourselves to, to mu and then to nu and then to chi and then to omicron. What that tells me is this thing is morphing all the time and not killing anybody, right? I mean, there are people who continue to perish at least with COVID-19, there's always been some debate as to how we're keeping score here as to whether or not they're actually perishing of COVID-19. They were otherwise healthy. They got COVID-19 and it all by its onesie killed them. I think there's there's going to be debate down through the ages as to how we're keeping score here. 
And obviously, anytime there is someone that the media can even come close to making the argument was perfectly healthy and then got COVID-19 and within days was, you know, stone cold dead. You're going to see that number one headline on all your media outlets, because for some reason we're just focused on being terrified of this. But if we've already gotten to the 15th version of this thing and at the 15th version, it appears to be, if anything, milder than some of the versions that we're more familiar with, then I just I, I, I cannot get my head around why we continue to freak out about this. I don't know how many variants of the flu there are, but there are so many variants of the flu that they can't put together a flu shot for whatever reason. Again, I'm, I'm, I, I don't spend a lot of my time putting together vaccines. In fact, none. But there are so many variants of the flu shot, they can't cover them all with one shot. You know, the guys that are in charge of that, wherever they may be, take an educated guess every year and say, well, we think it's going to be this, you know, these four or five variants, we'll lump them all into this year's flu shot. We'll shoot that into people. Right? And so clearly with viruses, this is the way it goes. Right. There are a number of variants. That's what viruses do. They morph. They become slightly different. Um, but in most cases, the variance seems to be you know, less virulent or dangerous um, than you know, the original or certainly some other variants. And so I just again, I, I, who cares? Well, I think that's the that's the point. I think I think you're you hit the nail on the head. The problem is the government is incapable of managing even a variant without scaring the hell out of people, right? That's what they're doing. I mean, you put Fauci out there running around giving these crazy interviews where he's attacking Republican senators, he's attacking Trump. He actually brought up the insurrection of January 6th, which again was the worst insurrection since the Battle of Little Bighorn. And, uh, you know, he basically, when Ted Cruz called him out on some of these comments he's made that have proven to be untrue, he responded by saying, well, what about, January 6th, which obviously doesn't have any link whatsoever to Fauci's core expertise, which supposedly is virology. Um, but the, the problem is all the way from Biden on down, people are just doubling down now on more mask mandates and saying, go get a third or you know, fourth or fifth booster and, and you know, shocking the hell out of the markets. You had the chairman of the Federal Reserve this week come out and start talking about the fact that Omicron could be a big, uh, um, uh, could have a big impact on fourth quarter corporate results. I mean, just crazy stuff. And so, um, you know, I, I think that's, I think that's a big problem as well. The, the government seems to have learned nothing from all of its feeble attempts to deal with the original um, uh, coronavirus, COVID-19. And as these variants roll out, they just keep tripping over their own feet. Well, but I mean, we're going to have to take it into our own hands as has been the tradition in the United States from the time there's been a United States. Those of us who are in the private sector, those of us who are actually the backbone of the economy, small business owners, even large business owners, we're going to have to you know, weigh in and do a little bit of research and then sit down with our people and try to you know, calm some nerves. I mean, if, based on what I've read, which seems to be very similar to what you've read, this Omicron version is you know, perhaps as, or maybe a little bit more, um, you know, you're a little bit more likely to catch it, uh, but its symptoms are mild and a little bit unusual compared to other variants, right? So maybe it's a little more contagious, maybe it isn't. It's certainly not, does not appear to be as deadly. So, you know, if you run in your small business, sit your people down, make sure they have that information. And for the love of God, tell them to stop watching the news, right? Why that guy, Fauci, keeps getting trotted out. Somebody needs to ask that question seriously, right? Because the answer has to be, well, there's a narrative and this guy fits the narrative and he'll say what we want him to say. And so we're going to put him out there. We're going to put a microphone in front of him and, and, and have him say it. Because it, it, if there's one thing he isn't, it's helpful. He's not the least bit helpful. I don't care whether you're a COVID crazy who wants to wear three masks and stay inside your house and memorize the Greek alphabet so you know which variant's coming next, or you're a person who thinks the whole thing is a joke. You will never wear a mask. You're, you, you know, whatever, wherever you fall on that spectrum, nothing Fauci says is helpful to anybody.
No, I completely, I completely agree. And, and, and often what he says is contradictory, even within the same set of testimony. So I, it's too bad we're not doing barter band right now. And we're talking about Fauci because we just bar them and ban them. Can't beat them though. Can't beat them because that's, no one wants to hear that, Brad. No one wants to hear that. Yeah. I, I do not know why that guy still has a microphone in front of him, but again, it cannot be because he's providing helpful, useful advice to the American public, calming fears, providing a reasoned path forward, giving you something you can sit down with your kids and say, hey, this is the truth. He's certainly not doing anything like that. So it has to be something else. And I hope whatever it is, I hope there comes a day when that guy is forced to look in the mirror and say, I have totally effed America and it's largely my fault. I did that. I'm going to have to be responsible for that. But who knows? Yeah, well, well, we'll we'll see. Every dog has its day, including Leica. For those of you um, who are in the middle of Hanukkah, happy Hanukkah, um, Brad. I know you, it's a special time of the year for you and, and me. I actually like Hanukkah. I like the history of Hanukkah. I don't happen to be Jewish myself, and so we don't celebrate it in my household. But for those of you who have no idea what's going on with Hanukkah, why candles get lit, why it's eight days long, you should look that up. So you're saying they should read a book, probably the good book. Yeah. Well, the, in this case, the good book is not going to help you uh, because the uh, Festival of Lights arose in what we call the intertestamental period. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have to read the books of the Maccabees, but I suggest you do that. Pick it up. Pick it up at a bookstore near you, probably New York Times bestseller. Um, but that's neither here nor there. It's probably another program that we'll do down the road. Uh, Brad, next, we want to talk a little bit about your good friends in New York, the former governor, Cuomo, and his brother, Chris. Apparently, the report of the attorney general of New York, Latida James, who is a piece of work, by the way, one of the um, one of the defund the police crowd, um, has uh, come out and uh, has revealed a number of different uh, texts and emails from Chris Cuomo, who again is on the, um, uh, the, the CNN network, which if you look at his ratings compared to IP frequently, he's about a 10th of what we do in Sweden, right? In Sweden, not yeah. overall. In Sweden alone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He did 10%. He had, you take his overall numbers, take our Sweden numbers. He's got 10%, 10%. Sheesh. Yeah, you wouldn't believe it. Um, but apparently Chris Cuomo came on the air last year or earlier this year, rather, and said that he uh, never uh, lobbied on behalf of his brother, never helped his brother and basically recused himself of the whole fiasco where his brother um, was defending himself from multiple sexual harassment charges when he probably should have been defending himself from charges of killing a bunch of senior citizens uh, by infecting them with COVID. Uh, but that's neither here nor there either. But uh, it now turns out that Chris Cuomo was lying wait for it um he conspired with his brother's teams after claiming he didn't he um uh, reached out to a number of different people on the team to help write press releases he looked into allegations in the background of the accusers using his media sources at cnn he um revealed uh, he, he approached his friend um alec baldwin to make a video defending his brother and, um, you know, all this stacks up. And at the, at the end of the day, you've got this guy who's purporting to be a journalist who back channel is uh, helping his, his creepy brother, who probably flew on the Lolita Express with Jelaine Maxwell and Prince Andrew and that whole crew. But, uh, OK, well, we'll just we'll just move on. And um, you know, next, I think we've got another we, we people know that we are not just a U.S. centric program. Right. Correct. I mean, we um, we like to cover all things across the globe as they come up. Right. Yeah, as as you, best we can, as best we can, as yeah. best we can. And so and so, as you know, identity politics is very important. It's important to me and Brad. Right. What your race is, what your background is, um, socio what your pronouns are, things pronouns, all yeah. very important, mm-hmm. very participles, participles, yeah, yeah, prepositions, yeah, yeah. Preps, any preps. The little pieces of speech you use is important to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we're, we're mindful of this. And as people rise to power who are worthy of that and people who have the appropriate background, pronoun, preposition, et cetera, we like to applaud that. And so y'all may remember the program we dedicated in total to the rise of Carrie Burbosa. 
Carrie Barbosa. Yeah, the Canadian medical researcher, Brad, who became Canada's top voice on indigenous health. Um, she's the leader of a cabinet position focused entirely on indigenous health. And you know the um, the the prime minister there in Canada. I think his name is Scooter or or, or Skippy or something. He's the one that uh, started this uh, important um, uh, department that deals with the health of indigenous people. Okay, good for him and her, it, them, they, whatever the case may be. Yeah, and and look, and so so the reason we even bring this up now, I know everyone's saying you did the tribute episode. We did want to say that now that Carrie Barbosa has been fired for lying about her background as a Native American. um, Yeah, we we, shocking. We wanted to bring that up and we look, the jury's still out on this. Right. Just because the ultra liberal Canadian government has fired her and um, her claims um, of being a part of the Metis nation uh, turn out to be tr- untrue. Um, we, we, we're, we're here. I mean, Brad, do we want to stand behind her, do you think? Or what do you think? Well, buddy, just in terms of your physical positioning, I would rather be behind her than in front of her because she might take a step towards you if you were in front of her and then you would have to deal with that. So I think in terms of physical position, you want to be behind her and probably like, you know, quartering her a little bit like behind her to the left or to the right. So you've got as much room to maneuver as you possibly can out of the path of this lunatic. Um, Now, but if you're talking about in terms of support, then, uh, you know, you and I will continue to maintain the same level of support for they, them, she, it, yeah. uh, that we that we always have. Yeah, and it's interesting as you and I both know. We've read her book that she wrote a year ago or so on indigenous parenting, and in that she talked proudly about her um, her uh, her um, background as a member of the Metis Nation. Uh, but it turns out, Brad, after someone did a maybe fifteen minute search on Ancestry.com, she actually hailed from in part Russia. Poland and Czechoslovakia, which I don't believe are part of the Metis nation. I, I don't really know the boundaries of the Metis nation. I'm going to admit that, you know, right off the bat. But I presume that uh, given it's supposed to be an indigenous population within the confines of Canada, that it probably doesn't include too many Slavs. Uh, they just don't tend to go together. Uh, but again, buddy, it's not surprising. And at least, I mean, you have to say at least in Canada, they fired this person as opposed to, you know, allowing our senator from Massachusetts, who claimed to be an indigenous person, turns out, you know, she's got less indigenous blood in her than either you or I have. As far as I know, hey, she's still hey, a hey, sitting hey, senator. She is. She is. An a- yeah. And I will just say the final the final um, <laughs> the final um, uh, nail in the coffin, so to speak, I guess this whole thing started to unravel back when um, Miss Barassa, and again, we did give her an IP frequently award. Maybe we should change it to one of the turkey gobblers that we gave out several weeks ago. But uh, she gave a, a TED talk at the University of Saskatchewan um, in Saskatoon, by the way, uh, draped in electric blue shawl uh, with feathers in her partially braided hair. And she started off by saying, my name is Morning Star Bear of the Metis Nation, with tears coming down her face. And so that, I guess that, you know, you and I viewed that as sort of her shining moment. Apparently somebody saw that and said something doesn't add up here. And, uh, you know, and uh, just fell apart. But we wish her the best. I mean, listen, the, the book on Indigenous Parenting, I'm sorry, I don't know about you, Brad, but it's sitting on my nightstand. I take something from that every night. Yeah, I, I try to. I try to. What I like to do is randomly flip through the pages and then assemble various nouns and verbs that were used in that book into something resembling an English sentence, and then just see how I like it. And if I think it relates to parenting, then I apply it. And if I don't, then I move on. There's always tomorrow. Yep, there's always tomorrow. So we wish her, we hope she gets everything she deserves. And I think that's- I absolutely hope she gets everything she deserves. What, what is, buddy, I mean, I just, it's for a timeout. You know, I mean, sometimes you and I have to do this. We have to, you know, sort of keep each other well-oriented here. How does this gal, I mean, not for nothing. This falls into the same category as people who wear around military awards they didn't earn. You know, the guys, you know, there's always a handful of guys in any bar that want to claim they were a Navy SEAL. You can take one look at them and know that isn't true. But what, 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 
how do these people feel like they're going to get away with it? The gal gives a TED talk dressed as a member of an indigenous group and thinks no one's going to research. I mean, what the hell is wrong with people who do stuff like that? I just don't get it. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I keep thinking back to that woman in the in the um, in the U.S. who like she had some she had some um, she, she was she was Caucasian and she had like a white evangelical family and she wrote some book um, and started taking those tan pills or started ta- and, and then and then she you know, she was ultimately she became like an author. Um, and, and basically claimed she was part African-American and it turned out she wasn't. I mean, it's the same thing. It, it's just, I think it's one crazy people. And I think it's also this woke culture where people want to embrace identity politics as for, as opposed to embracing individual ideas. And to think that some crazy person can put on a blue frock and write a book on indigenous parenting of, of, of which she knows nothing about. And people are going to buy that book is literally insane, but that's where we are. That's where we are. Yeah, that's funny. I mean, it's just got, I, again, my, my position on this is that all of these folks need to continue to push the pendulum further and further in the direction that they're pushing it, because the more radical they take that thing out in whatever direction they're taking it, the more quickly it will swing back. And that's what we need. I mean, again, my, my prayer is, my honest prayer is that as it swings back, someone will have the wisdom and the temerity to grab it somewhere around the middle and hold it there. But I suspect that won't happen either. Yeah, I, I, I suspect you are uh, correct. But uh, look, we'll um, continue to monitor the situation and hopefully not talk about it ever again. We are coming into the, uh, the, the final segment here on IP Frequently. And first thing I thought we'd talk about, Brad, is a little bit of the JFK conspiracy. As you know, uh, those who uh, follow us here at IP Frequently, we are what we like to consider anyway, uh, to be uh, aficionados in all things JFK assassination related. Again, Brad and I are big conspiracy theorists. We've had Rob Clark on before, the lone gunman uh, himself, who may or may not have been involved. Again, we don't know. Uh, But Brad, the new Oliver Stone movie, JFK Through the Looking Glass, is now on Showtime, and I, I'm sure you and, uh, and and our producer Jared have watched it, uh, and maybe thought you could give your take on that. Huh? So is this a is it? So this is the same guy that made the original JFK movie some 10, 12 years ago, something, right? Oliver Stone. And he's made another years. one. Thirty years 30? ago. What? Thirty. 30. You're getting old. That's how you can tell. <laughs> I was just going to say it's so you can tell I'm getting old. That was the Kevin Costner movie. Years ago. Yeah, so I, which which I didn't see, although I heard it was good. In fairness, I heard it was good. I did not see it. So is this like a uh, like an update, or is this more like a documentary, or or what's going on here? This is more like a documentary. There's there's okay. not much to update on the Kennedy assassination because we we've been covering what the updates are. I mean, it's really all the Dealey Plaza QAnon stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, if you don't have the review, we can, we just move on. I, I I was expecting you and Jared would have the review of it. Well, I thought maybe it was going to tie into that deal. I thought maybe he showed up in Dealey Plaza, declared Trump to be the emperor or whatever was supposed to happen there. Uh, but apparently not. I thought maybe Oliver Stone was you know going to take us there. But no. No, he didn't. Oh, he didn't OK. Well, then, yeah, it was more. We should, we should a, just move on then, I guess. Yeah. It was more just an attack on Alan Dulles, brother of John Foster Dulles. I think one of your um, one of your heroes. I enjoy the airport. Is that the same I mean, thing? It's a nice, that's a nice, I mean, yeah, I'm yeah. not going to lie. It's a nice airport. It's it a, uh, it's got those people mover things. I like those. Mind your step, mind your yep. step, move yep. on, mind your step. No, I think it's, um, yeah, I think it's nice. I think it's nice. Um, next, Brad, we'll go into something that really matters. Okay. And obviously this, um, uh, this time of the year, there are a lot of people that are taking shots at people that don't deserve it. And as you know, with the liberation of the country of Barbados as a newly minted republic, which, by the way, just um, installed Rihanna as one of its national treasures. I don't even know you can do that, but apparently they did. You know, Prince Charles was there falling asleep during the commemoration ceremony. They broke away from uh, from the um, the empire, the British Empire. And it caused a lot of people to look more closely at the British Empire. And you've got uh, obviously Prince Andrew running around with uh, Epstein and, and Bill Clinton 
with these underage women. Um, and you've got Prince Charles falling asleep at these events. And now this tell-all book comes up, Brad, telling us a little bit more. And you and I were keen on this months ago, a little bit more about Megxit and how Megxit happened. And as you know, Megxit, Brexit was when Britain broke apart from the European Union. Megxit okay. is when Meghan and, and Harry, Meghan Markle, and the Prince of Luxembourg, Harry... Um, from Von Trout, I think it Von is. Trout. I think it's Von Von Trout. Trout. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. How they broke apart from the British family. And obviously, it's something that nobody's pleased with. Nobody's happy about this situation. But we're getting more and more information that's out about this. And so, one thing we've learned is that what caused Megxit to happen apparently was this um, Queen Elizabeth, uh, her choice to take a family photo of the Duke of Duxenberg and Meghan Markle and baby Archie off of her desk. She took it off of her desk and that caused the rift. Well, I mean, did, did it fall off or, you know, perhaps was nudged off because the queen moved around a copy of, you know, royalty daily on her desk, or, or was this some sort of intentional snub where she said, I'm sick of looking at this, you know, these three people get them off my desk, but she well, would have said it in a British accent. Of course. Apparently this was for her 2019 holiday broadcast, which by the way, for those of you wondering, we will be um, airing the full 2021 holiday broadcast from the queen. We believe there'll also be a performance um, by Cher, Barbara Streisand and Kanye West. And we'll man, I'm steamroller. I love crazy. those guys. Correct, correct. And we'll be airing all of that. But during the 2019 broadcast, I guess she has usually a bunch of different photographs on her desk. And um, there was a photograph of the Duke of Luxembourg and the Duchess of um, Luxembourg, I guess, and the baby. And then she took that off the desk. And all that was left was one of Prince William and his family, her father, Prince Philip, who at the time I believe was alive, although someone argue differently and then prince charles and the duchess of cornhole uh so that that's it and uh so that's what caused the rift and obviously you and i were theorizing about this before but it's Mm -hmm. a it's a it's a problem it's a problem yeah well i mean obviously it was a problem because it wound up with the uh, proverbial megxit and it's particularly a problem for us because those two chuckleheads wound up in our country right i mean it, it wasn't bad enough that you had to, you know, occasionally see them in the media or on the news and listen to all this drivel about what is going on within the royal family. But those two chuckleheads wound up right here in the good old United States of America. And now, you know, they're sort of our problem. And, uh, you know, I really feel like that's, uh, you know, that like maybe maybe this whole thing is a conspiracy just to get back to us about the Revolutionary War. I mean, maybe the Brits are crazy like a fox. They've been biding their time. They've been waiting for the royal family to produce a couple of true morons that they could then ship over here and make our problem as a little like, hey, how do you like that in view of the outcome of the Revolutionary War? I mean, maybe we should be tipping our cap. I mean, I, you know, they, they may have ultimately won. I mean, another, another um, interesting tidbit from these latest reports, and again, there are plenty of them, Brad, there are plenty of them. Well, I is, certainly hope so. This is important stuff. Yeah, I guess Prince Harry um, was very upset and he lashed out at the royal family for doubting his mo- romance with um, with Meghan Markle, the American princess. Um, and I guess his brother, who's soon going to be king again, he, God willing, he'll become king, not of Barbados because they're a republic now. Um, but I guess um, he, he was upset because his brother was doubting the um, genuineness of Megan's love for the Duke of uh, Duxenbury. How could you possibly doubt? I mean, no one can look at Meghan Markle and not fall immediately in love. I mean, she just radiates good humor, kindness. You know, she's, she's not the least bit interested in herself. She's always looking outside of herself to see where she can take care of a problem for someone else. She's, you know, just very physically attractive. I mean, how can you not just take one look at her and fall in love? So I don't blame Harry for that. And you know what, whether or not Markle loves him is really neither here nor there because, you know, I mean, she's, she is so wonderful 
that uh, you know she would never take advantage of anyone else. And, and even if she didn't really feel the strength of emotion that one might expect out of someone who is, is, is accepting of an offer of marriage, her, just her natural goodness is going to overcome you know, those early stage difficulties in any marriage and get her over the hump, which we saw. I mean, obviously, she was willing to bend over backwards to become a part of the royal family. Obviously, she was never concerned with her own well-being or what people were saying about her. She just wanted to go along and get along and, and be a part of the group. And, uh, you know, I mean, that's that's just the kind of person she is. Yeah, it, it certainly seems like that. And then finally, one of the big question marks that came out of the last year was who was the royal that questioned the um, ethnicity of Meghan Markle? According to her, she was attacked uh, by some royal. And now it comes out that during a breakfast in um, 2017, Prince Charles and the um, Duchess of Cornhole were having breakfast and Charles asked uh, the Duchess of Cornhole, I wonder what their children will look like. Um, the Duchess said something in response. And then Charles said, lowering his voice, and this again is according to reports, I mean, what do you think the children's complexion might be? And so that obviously tells you all you need to do about, know about this whole crew, if it's true. Again, if it's true, but you would think that if it were Charles and Cornhole sitting down, one of them had to report this. And I don't know. I don't know which one it would be. No, who knows? I mean, this is just, it's beyond ridiculous. But again, I mean, it just kind of goes to show you. I mean, this is just, as you said earlier, this is just where we are. These are the kinds of things we talk about. These are the kinds of things we're concerned with. I mean, you would think that Charles and the Duchess of Cornhole being prospective grandparents might be concerned. Well, you know, hopefully the, the kids will be healthy, 10 fingers, 10 toes, all those sorts of things that reasonable par parents pray for. Uh, when they are expecting a child or planning for a child, uh, but yet, you know, not apparently, I guess, apparently this is what you get. And I don't understand it. You don't understand it. Let me look at our studio audience. Raise your hand if you understand it. No one is raising their hand. I mean, it's just, it's, it's ridiculous, but it's just sad. That's what it is. It's sad. It is sad. It is sad. I mean, this is, this is royalty and they should be treated better. I agree with you. Uh, finally, Brad, um, we will end uh, on our weekly monitoring of the um, the big asteroid that's about to crash into the planet Earth, um, NASA has now launched its DART uh, spacecraft. Again, DART being the double asteroid redirection test. Again, that's DART. Uh, it's a box-shaped probe launched aboard a SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket. Uh, it went out this past week from the Vandenberg Space Force Base in California, which I think is also where the stormtroopers that took over the Empire and Ewok Village um, uh, had initially um, come. Yeah, from. that's correct. Yeah, it came yeah. right out of Vandenberg. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So this is a this is a planetary defense uh, system. You know, this can sort of wrap into barter ban because what they're looking to do, Brad, is bar and ban whichever is more severe. Any um, asteroid that could uh, potentially eliminate all human life on earth. It's going to take about 10 months to complete. It's a 6.8 million mile journey, which is similar to the route that me and my family drove this past fall around the uh, East coast in the U S probably a little less treacherous in the uh, uh, SpaceX uh, Falcon nine rocket. Um, again, this, the asteroid's name is Dimorphos. Um, and uh, the plan is for um, the uh, SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket to deliberately smash into Dimorphos at a speed of 15,000 miles an hour. Oh, buddy, I don't care who you are. That's fast. Uh, I'm still a little taken aback. You said it was box-shaped, and therefore I assume it has corners. And when you combine the description probe with something that has corners, you know, you, you immediately cringe a little bit. I mean, that's not going to be comfortable for whatever is going to be probed uh, mm. by the dart. But yeah. look, I'm Loop no, that up. you know, I'm no, uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe put a little foam around the corners. I, I don't know, but if that's you, that's your problem. You're going to have to deal with it. I'm no, you know, space architect. Maybe that's the right shape. 6.8 million miles is a long ways, buddy. Even at 15,000 miles per hour, which is quick. 
right? Mm -hmm. I mean, no one's going to tell you that 15,000 miles an hour isn't quick. It's going to take them a long time to get there. Can you just picture the discussion around the the bar room where this was this was hatched? Like it's sort of it's sort of like uh, you know beckons us back to our Venera Chronicles. It's like yeah, you know, uh, you know, give me another fireball, Pete, and why don't we just shoot this thing into space and we'll we'll just smash into it at fifteen thousand miles an hour? Can, can you do thirty thousand miles? Oh, do that? Hell, yeah, I, I yeah, I, I mean, again, I, I'm no, uh, you know, whatever you would call that space engineer i don't i don't know why 15,000 as opposed to 16,000 or 14,000 but i assume it was something along the lines of of what you've portrayed there was probably some alcohol involved you know someone lost their first wife to an asteroid they've always borne a grudge they like to see any and all asteroids taken out that's why the probe has got corners instead of being rounded as any decent probe should be i mean i suspect there's a personal vendetta at play here Demorphous again is well known to be a bit of a player, and you know what? Now he's going to get his square yeah. probe right in the old keister, fifteen thousand miles an hour. That's what happens to you. And look, the thing—the thing I like to see is when you take a look at the um, the comments coming out of NASA. Things like this isn't going to destroy the asteroid; it's just going to give it a small, tiny nudge. But don't worry, this is not a threat to the planet Earth. You know, I mean, sounds like the Doctor Fauci. This is. Um, uh, Dart official mission, Nancy Shabbat. Um, so I guess we're going to see. I mean, this could be Dr. Fauci in space. Maybe we'll get that. Maybe we should do that. I would like to see Dr. Fauci in space in a probe with corners heading for an asteroid. That would be perfect. Wearing yeah. a mask, not wearing a mask. I don't care. And with I feel Omicron, like, without Omicron, again, don't care. And I feel like you and I spent the better part of 2021 probing, no pun intended, the Russian Venera space program where they smashed hundreds of millions of dollars worth of equipment into the uh, into the surface of the planet Venus. And I feel like, Brad, we were preparing for DART. I think DART is the next generation of Venera. It is here now. We will continue to monitor it. We'll give you updates all 6.8 million miles of this trip. You're going to feel like you're on that rocket yeah, mile ship. Mile by mile. We're not going to let yeah. a mile go by of any of the 6.8 million of them. Yeah, we're excited about this. We are excited about this. And Brad, I think we're about at the end of our a lot of time. Buddy, it always flies when I'm hanging out with you and our studio audience. I appreciate everyone's time and attention, and we will see you back here next week on IP Frequently. This has been IP Frequently. Once again, clearing a forest of lies with the machete of truth. You're welcome. <laughs>